Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 113 of Crunch Time. I'm going to be your host for today's episode. I am Tanner Dislin, and I, and I am joined, as always, by Sam Godsey, and we are the N326 duo. Sam, how are we doing this week? Man, I'm doing good. Uh, unfortunately, it's that time of year where football is wrapping up. We're getting just NFL action for the next couple weeks. Um, but that means basketball season is right around the corner, kind of getting into conference play coming the new year. Uh, some of the best, uh, college basketball coming up, uh, NBA kind of gets more serious, even though we had the in season tournament last week, uh, conclude, but, uh, yeah, it's getting, it's getting, uh, as basketball is coming up, I'm definitely excited for it. For sure. Let me tell you what, though, making an episode outline, it looks a little empty without college football, and that kind of sucks. Obviously, we are – we love all football. College football is a special place in our heart, so this definitely sucks. But we will push forward with just the NFL on our slate until, as Sam said, more basketball comes and we can talk about some other things. But – before we get into all that, the NFL slate and everything we're going to talk about in this episode, we got to start where we always do, winners and losers. Sam, who's your winner? Yeah, of course, I got to show love to Iowa's own Caitlin Clark. Uh, she became the first player in D1 history, women's and men's, with 3,750 rebounds and 750 assists this past week. They she hit the three thousand mark against in-state rival Iowa State. I was in the building. It was absolutely electric. Felt like a home game for the Hawkeyes with all the love Caitlin Clark was given. Um, and in addition to the three thousand points, she also signed a huge endorsement deal, NIL deal, whatever you want to call it, with Gatorade, making her like one of three collegiate athletes um i think shadur uh has the other one in the um penn state running back like i'm blanking on his name so huge week for caitlin clark uh definitely is a face of women's basketball everywhere so uh always gotta show love when a hawk is uh winning remember uh remember a few weeks ago or a few weeks ago maybe a few months ago when like bleacher reporter someone tweeted the top NIL earners and women's college basketball and Caitlin Clark was like four. Yeah. I think we might need to fact check that. Maybe a little little revision there, Bleacher Report. Yeah, she's obviously number one. She's the face of women's basketball, as you said. One of the ways you know that, I mean, did you did you happen to know off the top of your head when the uh, WNBA draft lottery was? I did not. Me neither, but you know how I knew it was going on? is because when the number one seed got drafted – Everything on X and on Instagram was Caitlin Clark in an Indiana Fever jersey. Yeah. That's how I know they got the top pick because she runs the sport. Um, and, yeah, if she decides to come out, she is going to be uh, probably an Indiana Fever. So, don't know if that's good or bad. But she's really good at basketball, moral of the story. Uh, for my winner, I could have gone a di- couple different ways here. Um, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about both. Why not? Winner number one, as everyone predicted, New York quarterbacks in week 
15 of the NFL, um, Zach Wilson and and Tommy DeVito are your NFC and AFC players of the week. Yes, you heard that correct. The Giants and Jets get two huge wins, and both of those quarterbacks played incredibly well. I still can't believe I am saying that out loud. Um, I think a lot of people thought this was going to be an, a lost season for the Jets and the Giants, and most, for the most part it has been. But Week 15, man, Tommy DeVito and Zach Wilson played out of their minds to, uh, to earn – to earn a player of the week honor. So, so that's definitely worth the shout out. And then of course, you know, I got to talk about it. My other winner, it's gotta be Shohei Otani locking in a $700 million contract. Now I know the, the structure of that contract definitely is, is up for debate, whether it should be allowed, yada, 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 this, yada, yada, that. So the structure is a $700 million contract. And what he gets is it's a 10 year, $700 million um, and the 10 years that he is playing with the Dodgers, he will get $2 million a year, totaling $20 million of that $700 million contract. Then for the next 10 years after that, he will receive $68 million a year, making up the rest of the $680 million of the $700 million contract. Now that does a couple things uh, because it is deferred payments after his service time with the Dodgers. That $68 million will not go towards luxury tax penalties, which obviously pretty big. Uh, and MLB doesn't have a salary cap. It has a luxury tax. So when you cross it, you can cross it. But when you do, you get penalized pretty hard. Uh, so they, it won't count towards that. And all that will count towards the salary uh, or the luxury tax, excuse me, is $2 million per year for the 10 years he will be with the Dodgers. So, uh, I mean, if you're Shohei Otani and you want to win, why not? You're making so much money from all these other endorsements. You're the best player on planet Earth. Um you can afford to, to defer that money. Why not? Right. Uh, and it allows the Dodgers a lot of flexibility in the short term to make their, uh, make their team pretty good. So um, anytime you can lock down a $700 million contract, I think that is grounds for you to be the winner. What do you think? Yeah, definitely. It was a crazy contract uh, for sure. Um, but it seems we get this story year, year in, year out that the Dodgers have a, amazing uh amazing off or uh off season signing they're the favorites to win uh the world series and it never happens it'll be interesting if that happens with shohei um has had um issues with injuries in the past um specifically the tommy john and i believe a tour um another injury that's blanking but uh yeah it's ridiculous amount of money um this makes the uh contracts of Mookie Betts and Shohei uh their pay larger than what the Marlins are worth which is absolutely ridiculous but uh yeah uh he got a huge payday yeah for sure and i noticed that in 2024 next year Shohei Otani will be the 17th highest paid Dodger and obviously the best player on planet Earth. So they got creative, uh, whether or not they should be allowed. I mean, I'm not going to speak to that. I, I think what I think should they should be, they should be commended for their creativity. Let's just say that if there's no rules to stop it, why the hell not? Will there be rules in the coming, uh, in the coming weeks, days, years? Probably. But now all eyes go to 
Yamamoto, uh, the uh, other Jap- Japanese phenom coming over from from Japan. Pretty much every big market team is in on him. Yankees, Mets, Dodgers, Giants, they all want him. Uh, so it's definitely going to be interesting to see where he goes. But that's going to be it for our winners. Three winners on the day. I just made that that decision right there to go with both. Why not? But, Sam, who's your loser for the episode? Yeah, my uh, winner, or my loser, pardon me, is going to be kind of a throwback to a couple of years ago, and that is going to be Jaden Daniels' Arizona State teammates. Oh, a oh, oh, oh. video resurfaced, uh, basically mocking him for announcing his transfer to LSU. Uh, pardon my French, but they were heard saying, clear his shit out. He sucks anyways. Clearly, that is not the case. Since he left, Arizona State has gone 6-18. and 18. Meanwhile, Daniels and the LSU Tigers have gone 19-7. and seven. I, And I know uh, sometimes win-loss records don't reflect that, but in this case, I think there is a big discrepancy, and it, it happened with one player. Of course, he won the Heisman last Saturday. Um, kind of... Kind of was a favorite. There were rumblings of Michael Penix Jr. winning it, but he came home with it. And it's probably going to be a first-round NFL draft pick uh, in a loaded and uh, quarterback class this year. But uh, Jane Daniels, Arizona State teammates, definitely looking stupid You got to right hold now. that. You just got to hold that out right now. That's, that's hilarious. I did see the video of him cleaning out his locker. I did chuckle a little bit. I think it's very funny. Obviously, aged like a fine milk um and was a really really bad take uh really bad look for them as well but that's really funny um for sure but my loser of the episode sam i'm gonna tell you what i had a loser in my mind i had it all day all week and it changed about a half hour ago because we got a big time announcement in the basketball world um last night we were recording on wednesday so on tuesday night um, the Suns and the Warriors were playing in a NBA game. And of course, stop me if you've heard of this before, uh, Draymond, Draymond Green got ejected. If you watch the play, he and uh, Yusuf Nurkic, they were rather lightly entangled, I get like no more so than is what is completely normal in a basketball game, let alone an NBA professional basketball game. They were vying for position in the post. They got a little bit tangled, like not even really that intertwined. And long story short, Draymond Green flings his arm around and lands a nasty hook right on Yusuf Nurkic's face, punches him in the face completely. Um, Of course, he tries to throw his hands up and act like he was forced into it. We all saw that he wasn't. Um, And uh, we all knew some, some sort of discipline was coming again for Draymond Green. Um, And we got an announcement today on Wednesday night that he has been suspended indefinitely uh, by the league. They did not want to uh, put a, put a number of days on it because they really need to really need to drive home the, the, the need for Draymond to fix his behavior because this is getting in, getting to real, really, really problem territories. I mean, he's, he's, He's been, always been a fiery player. Uh, in his career, he's just been suspended five times, uh, and including um, a game when, when he fought with 
Kevin Durant up 18. Uh, that eventually led Kevin Durant to leave the Warriors. He kicked LeBron in the balls up 3 1 in the 2016 NBA Finals. Of course, got ejected, then suspended. That uh, spearheaded the Cavaliers' comeback. So, one of the main reasons why the Warriors were not able to close that out. Um, he also punched his own teammate in the face in practice. Uh, in earlier this calendar year, uh, in in the about a month ago, when uh, Draymond Green was suspended for five games because he put uh, Rudy Gobert in a headlock for about ten seconds. Um, it doesn't matter how many times you suspend him; he doesn't learn. He doesn't stop hurting people, injuring people, hitting people, uh, getting suspended, getting technicals. He's hit his season-long technical multiple times. Um, it is unreal, and I hope I hope that they this maybe this one will stick if they suspend him for an incredibly long time. Maybe he'll fix his behavior, but I'm just getting really sick and tired of it um, because it's just not what basketball is. It's not what basketball should be, and the Warriors are obviously a dynasty basketball team, and now people are going to might look at that dynasty a little different if he goes down, continues to go down this path uh, of ejections and punches and headlocks and technicals and all of this stuff. So I really hope he gets it figured out, and I really hope he doesn't get ejected for many more basketball games, does not get suspended anymore, but you got to be a big loser when you get suspended indefinitely um, and suspended for the – I think this is now the sixth time in his career he's getting suspended. So not great. Yeah, not great at all. Uh, we all expect it is going to happen sooner or later. Um, I think I'm pretty sure Shams uh, tweeted that he has been uh, sent to counseling, uh, probably anger management class, um, and yeah, suspended indefinitely. Definitely wasn't expecting that, but um Definitely the right move. By yeah, the definitely shout out Adam Silver in the league. Uh, I'm sure there was a lot of opposition internally for it, but you can't. I mean, he's more, he's Draymond Green, right? He's he's a multi-time champ. He's a he's a he's a podcast. He's got he's a name in the league. Uh, and uh, shout out to to them for doing what needed to be done, and at the very least, maybe getting him the help he needs to to not do this anymore, uh, for sure. But some. Some kind of uh, breaking news uh, that just leaked a little bit earlier of this Draymond Green stuff. So definitely got to be a little bit of a loser. But hopefully, again, hopefully he gets everything uh, figured out. But uh, you ready to talk about some ball? Yeah, let's do it. Of course. Now we do need to talk about the elephant in the room. Um, the absolute tragedy that occurred on Saturday. Uh the Army Navy game. If you're not following us on X, you missed an absolute great one. We were uh, we were hanging out at at a bar. We were watching the game, and my under uh, lost in spectacular fashion. Now I did push, so I got my original bet back. I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't actually lose the bet, but I uh, it was spectacular fashion, man. With like four minutes left in the game, we were comfortably under a defensive touchdown, then a prevent defense, and then a Aaron's safety as time expired really, really screwed me. So that was definitely tough. Thought about making myself and all under betters a loser there because that's a really, really bad beat. But we move on. We move on. Army won that game pretty comfortably, uh, and that pretty much puts a bow on, on all regular season uh, college football. So shame, but we'll talk about some NFL games right now. Uh, we'll start off, of course, we'll go in chronological order. We'll start off in the noon slate. Uh, noon central 
kind of a shocker here, Sam. The Lions go to Chicago and the Bears get the win 28 to 13. Yeah, the Lions are definitely uh panic meter fraud alert, fraud alert. alert. Um they have been god awful these past couple weeks. This one taking the crown. Jared Goff looked terrible. Um, he went 20 for 35, 160 yards, one touchdown, two picks, got outplayed by Justin Jefferson. Um, and I'm not Justin Jefferson, Justin Fields. <laughs> um, I'm not used to hearing uh, Justin Fields playing a good game, but the Lions have not played well. Uh, barely beat the Saints the previous week, lost to the Packers barely beat the bears barely beat the chargers they are escaping uh with wins and then losing games they shouldn't this one is just another piece to the pie the bears look good though justin fields um finally it seems he's coming into his own as a nfl quarterback 19 for 33 223 one touchdown carried the ball well 12 carries 58 yards and another touchdown finding his guy dj moore um, but I think this says more about the Lions because they were kind of the top dogs in the league for a long time and being held scoreless in the second half to the Chicago Bears, five and eight Bears now. Um, definitely concerned in Detroit. And that uh, division is wide open for anyone to take because it seems like the Lions do not want it. No, no, they do not. That is a great point. I mean, two games, you're, you're heavily favored divisional opponents in the Packers and the Bears and you do in fact lose them both um I think you absolutely nailed the lines right now man that defense is looking every bit as it did a year ago uh the unit that when we talked about hey this Lions team man they're red hot they're really fun but they need to fix that defense they started out the year getting turnovers against the Chiefs they won that game right we're having the conversation Wow, this Lions team is for real. What changed? That defense is back. Or that defense is good. No, no, no. The defense is back to being terrible. They're, they got holes everywhere. Um, and, yeah, Justin Fields, man. I got to – he's looking pretty good. I got to say it. I mean, right now the Bears have won three of their last four, including two straight. And the one they lost was that Lions game that you referenced before where the Bears had a two-possession lead in the fourth quarter. And that was a kind of a special choke job to choke that one away. So Bears maybe turning some things around. Uh, I tell you what, Matt Eberflus, man, I think I said it uh, after the Bears-Vikings uh, game. Terrible head coach. He can really coach defense. Their defense has completely 180. You get a guy like Montez Sweat on your team, he can do some really damn good things. Anyone who, who laughed at that trade looks really silly right now. Uh, because he looks awesome. He's locked down long-term. Oh, and this team is probably going to have the number one overall draft pick. Uh, so, a lot, lot to be excited about if you are a Chicago Bears fan. Now i got to ask the question, Sam. You're Ryan Poles, the GM of the Bears. The Panthers lose out. Justin Fields keeps going on this trajectory. They may be – let's see, let's – in their last game, and next so next week they play the Browns. They'll probably lose that. Then they'll play the Cardinals at home. Let's count that as a win. Then they play the Falcons at home. They might win that one too. Then they go to Lambeau to play the Packers. They'll probably lose that. So let's say they go two and two to end the year. Um, that puts them at uh, 
where does that put him? That puts him at seven and ten with the number one overall pick. Are you drafting the quarterback? No, absolutely not. Uh, Justin Fields has turned the switch this season. Um, we talked, we kind of talked about this a couple weeks ago. I know Eric, my brother, asked the question. I still am on the boat. You keep Justin Jeff or Justin Fields. Um, there is a ton of good receivers. I think you draft what you need, not the best available. Um, I think Caleb Williams is going to be a bust. Um, I haven't been y'all know my feelings about him. Um, and I don't think I'm using a pick on Drake May. Um, but yeah, I think you get, you get fields, another weapon. He's the double team off of DJ Moore. Maybe get Marvin Harrison, uh, Roma Dunze, uh, Malik or, uh, neighbor, Malik neighbors from LSU. Those are three solid options. They're finalists for the, uh, college football receiver of the year. Can't remember the actual award name, but those three guys on that offense, adding another weapon to the dynamic quarterback that is Justin Fields. I, I like that. Uh, maybe get him a running back. I don't know how the running back room is uh, looking this draft class, but I know um, there's some very good wide receivers. Um, so I'm not taking a quarterback if I'm the GM of the Bears. I just don't think it makes sense. If this was year five or six of Fields, I'd consider it. But uh, he's still pretty young in his career. So that that's kind of my thoughts on that. Yeah, and I think as we both said, you know, when we had that question, I, I agree, right? I mean, you still have another year, uh, a year or two of Justin Fields, uh, and then he becomes an under, uh, unrestricted free agent. But, I mean, from what he's shown, like the whole discourse on him is that the public thinks he sucks, that he's, that he's terrible, that you need to get – but then they're also like – when he becomes an unrestricted free agent, like you don't want to pay him. If he sucks, you don't have to pay him much. Like you can just, you can keep him for cheap. If he's, if he sucks, like you say he does, like they seem to contradict each other uh, a lot and a wide receiver to pair with DJ Moore, who looks awesome. Um, I think, I think if, if you're the bears, the absolute best case scenario is if a team like the Patriots gets the second pick, a team that's definitely going to go quarterback. Mm-hmm. And you, if you decide you're not going quarterback, you can really market that pick, and some teams might go pretty pretty heavy for that number one overall pick to jump the uh, to jump the Patriots to get their quarterback. Um, and, you know, in some years where the number one overall pick, they know they're not taking quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be the best case scenario for the Bears. But you know, as, as a fan of uh, as a fan of a division divisional team. Don't love the way things are trending uh, for the Bears um, and the Lions. You got to figure it out. You probably still win the North because the North is terrible. You left the door open for a ter- any team to 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 catch you in the North, but um, you got to figure it out. Got to figure it out. But moving on, a a kind of a big matchup in the AFC playoff picture: the Jaguars went to Cleveland to take on Joe Flacco and the Cleveland Browns. And the Browns get the win over the Jags 31-27. Yeah, when looking at this game, uh, 
one thing pops out at me, and that is the four turnovers by the Jags. We talk about it at length every episode. The Browns' defense is one of the best in the league, might be the best. Absolutely dominant this game. Uh, four sacks, four fum- or one fumble lock pause, three interceptions. Uh, held the Jags to 7 for 17 on third down. Just like absolutely dominant. Uh, shut, basically destroyed that run game of the Jaguars. Travis Etienne, we all know what he can do when he gets going, but he was miserable this game. Uh, this really came down to uh, the defense putting Joe Flacco in that uh, offense in positions where they can succeed. Yeah, if you came up to me when we were starting, you remember the the week one podcast. Uh, uh, we, we did that one over Zoom, I remember, and we were talking about you know things for the season. If you would have came up to me that day and be like, "Hey, do you know in week fifteen Joe Flacco is going to go up against Trevor Lawrence, and Joe Flacco is going to easily outplay Trevor Lawrence?" Granted, of course, Trevor Lawrence did have that ankle injury. From the eye test, he looked pretty healthy. He looked like he was moving around mm-hmm. pretty well. It wasn't really affecting him that much, but. Still got to take that into consideration, but Joe Flacco, simply put, completely outplayed him. Uh, 311 yards, three touchdowns. Um, we mentioned the turnovers. Um, Trevor Lawrence did throw for three touchdowns, 257 uh, yards, three touchdowns, but did have three picks, only one uh, for Flacco. Um, I tell you what, if, if Flacco can just come out and sling that thing, as you talked about now, and we have talked about at length, that defense is championship level. So if he can go out and just do what he exactly what he did yesterday, or yesterday, this past weekend, uh, yeah, the Browns are going to be really scary, and they could they could do something because you know what they say, defense does in fact win championships. Uh, but that pushes the Browns to eight and five, and the Jags to eight and five. Now the Jags will uh, the Jags will win their division, especially with the Texans losing to the Jets last week. Um, but the Browns now climbing in that AFC wildcard race, even after losing Nick Chubb and Deshaun Watson. Pretty impressive stuff from the Browns. Yeah, absolutely. But moving on to the leader of that AFC North who the Browns are trying to catch the Baltimore Ravens. They are the number one seed in the AFC after beating the Rams in overtime, actually 37, 31, a walk-off punt return. Believe it or not, that's the second walk-off punt return of this NFL season. Kind of crazy how how that, that works out, but Ravens get the win over the Rams. Yeah. This one was shocking. Um, the Rams obviously have struggled this year. Not a great record, but Matthew Stafford looked great this game. 294 through touchdowns. Um, tough way to lose. Walk off, punt return. This game was a lot more competitive than I think anybody would imagine. Um, it seems the past couple weeks we're seeing this Ravens come back down to earth. We talked about how good their defense has been at the start of the year it seems they're getting worn down um and struggling i mean matthew stafford is not prime matthew stafford uh we saw when he first came to la 
Um, but he still threw the ball for 282 yards. The Rams don't have a rushing attack, still rushed for 128. Definitely cause for concerns, um, but a win's a win, I guess. Yeah, a win's a win. You nailed it, especially on a day when pretty much every other AFC contender uh, lost <laughs> um, or people vying for the number one seed lost. That's definitely uh, a lot more than others can say. Uh, I was definitely impressed with the effort that the Rams put forward. I mean, I think on the Rams side of things, your takeaway is that, I mean, that offense can still really operate at a high level. Sean McVay, his system, Stafford, Kyron Williams, the running back you mentioned, ran for 114. He looks like a guy, someone who's going to be really scary if you get the ball in his hands. Of course, that wide receiving duo of Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua are going to be, you know, good weapons for, for Matthew Stafford, but when you get rid of Jalen Ramsey, when you get rid of uh, uh, Von Miller, when you get rid of Leonard Floyd, when you get rid of all these guys, your defense is going to suffer. And, yeah, giving up 37 here uh, uh, to the Ravens. Not a great look for that defense uh, and special teams because of the, the kick return. Um, but that offense can still play. That offense can definitely still play. And on the Ravens side of things, offense looks great. Defense, as you said, not so much. Um, seems to be a theme here. A lot of these teams' defense is starting to not play as well as we had seen earlier in the year. But a win's a win, as you said, and the Ravens lock up, or not lock up, but lock, have a current handle on the number one seed in, in the AFC, which is, which is pretty big. But moving on to the afternoon games, uh, if you watch this, I am oh so sorry for you, uh, but... We had history. It was the lowest scoring game in the history of the NFL played indoors. Lowest scoring indoor played game. And that was between the Minnesota Vikings and the Las Vegas Raiders. The Vikings come out with the win three to nothing. Yeah, this game sucked. Uh, no, no sugar cane. This one long live. The Big Ten West, because um, this was a perfect example of what we suffered through all year. Um, Josh Dobbs' ass, not a good quarterback. It was fun while it lasted. He played awful. Uh, Nick Mullins looked all right um, for the what we saw. I mean, what we expected from a, a third string. Uh, quarterback, not nothing special. Um, but honestly, Tanner, my biggest takeaway is this Justin Jefferson injury. Um, yes. It seemed that the, I don't know, you obviously being a Vikings fan, but it seemed they, it seemed a little rush in his return. Um, got hurt again. Um, but I'll just, uh, ugly game, but what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, we'll start with the injuries because that's definitely a, a major takeaway from this game. Um, the the Jefferson the Jefferson injury was not great. Um, simply put, it was a terrible throw by Dobbs, and Jefferson had to go up and get it, exposed his entire body, got absolutely leveled, um, and he actually had to go to the hospital. He went to the hospital from yeah. the game. Um, said it was a chest injury, which of course is some. Some pretty scary stuff, but he he was back in the locker room after the game, 
uh, and it, from all indications is he intends to play uh, this coming weekend. They actually play on Saturday. Um, so that's good news. Um, we also had Alexander Madison hurt his ankle. He didn't play the rest of the game. It's not that big of a loss. It's not that big of a loss. <laughs> Trust me, no one, no one dislikes uh, the way Alexander Madison is playing this year. Uh, but, of course, in this game, he had 10 carries for 66 yards. He was averaging over six and a half yards mm-hmm. a carry. And this is the one he gets hurt in, not of the ones where he was averaging less than three yards a carry. Um, but, of course, anytime he gets any steam going, his ankle, his ankle gives out. The offensive line is depleted. Our, our one of our starting guards couldn't make couldn't start the game. We also had our all all pro right tackle had to leave the game with an ankle injury. He didn't return. Um, I haven't seen an update on him, but it was a very costly win. Not only did they look like absolute crap uh, offensively, uh, but they lost a lot of players on the offensive side of the ball. And uh, yeah, it doesn't look great. And then. Uh, with Jefferson going down, they had to put in, of course, one of their backup wide receivers, Jalen Naylor, came in the game. And, like, his second snap, he left with a concussion. He got hit in the head. Of course, no flag, because why would there be? But he, uh, but then he leaves with a concussion. So, very, very costly in terms of injuries. Uh, however, uh, that's obviously not the reason why the offense struggled. Joshua Dobbs, thank you so much for your service. I will never forget the three weeks of Dobbs mania. Uh, it's over. It's over. Uh, I was hoping that maybe you would have found a place where you can stay longer than a few weeks. doesn't look like that's going to be the case after this year. You're not going to be with the Vikings. Sorry, buddy. Um, it was fun while it lasted, but yeah, you're, you're just not a good quarterback. And especially with Kevin O'Connell, the way he wants to play uh, and the quarterback he wants you to be, it just doesn't fit. It's not a fit. Um, I think it's fair to question um, the, going out and getting the Dobbs signing, seeing how it – or trading for Dobbs, seeing how it uh, – everything unfolded. But when you take back and look at the games Dobbs have, has played in, he's played in five games, and the Vikings went three and two with a backup quarterback. That's about as good as you could have hoped for. And I'm not sure there's someone out there who would have gotten – you know, played them to a record that's better than that. Uh, so three and two, we'll take it. Uh, but it's Nick Mullins' time. He looks so much better than Dobbs. Uh, he can actually throw on time, in rhythm, and – in that case, when you have a quarterback who can play like that instead of instead of Dobbs, who's all out of sorts and just wants to you know make plays with his legs, uh, then you can allow the the coach to maybe scheme a few things open and make things really easy for the quarterback. Uh, so, going with Nick Mullins, definitely the right move. Um, injuries are, are are very concerning, but of course, I got to talk about that defense. Brian Flores' defense is playing unreal right now. Um, Absolutely dominant performance against the Raiders. Pitched a shutout, donut club, uh, didn't allow them to score. Got a key turnover, an interception on Aiden O'Connell um, in the in the right after Minnesota actually kicked the field goal on the ensuing possession when the Raiders were trying to make a comeback. Big interception from Ivan Pace Jr. So I cannot, I cannot talk uh, talk enough about this Vikings defense. The job Brian Flores has done with this Vikings defense. Um, but it took a while, but essentially the Vikings are now Iowa football in that their defense plays well, they're on a backup quarterback, and their offense is just all sorts of disjointed. Yeah. It was an ugly game. I am so sorry if you had to watch it, um, especially because we had this game going on at the same time. This was the kind of the crown jewel 
Uh, maybe not, actually. There was a better one that night. But the certainly the crown jewel of the afternoon games. Let's say that. Um, the Bills going to Arrowhead, taking on the Chiefs, the struggling Chiefs, might I add, because the Bills leave town with a 20-17 to win. Yeah, this game was fun. Um, I can uh, talk about this play, that play, but it really came down to the play everyone is talking about with about minute 50, just under two minutes. Um, Patrick Mahomes connects his number one guy, Travis Kelsey, and Kelsey catches the ball, sees Kadarius Tony on the other side, launches it to him. Uh, perfect spiral. Props to props to Travis Kelsey for that. Um, but throws it, goes in the end zone, touchdown. So we thought gets called back. Um, and it's not a touchdown. Kadarius Tony screws up once again in a Chiefs uniform. He was so far offside. He it looked like he was playing defense. Um, but then everything after the game in season, that's kind of what I want to talk about. Um, Patrick Mahomes is an asshole, uh, pardon my French, but going up to the opposing quarterback, basically saying that's bullshit. They shouldn't have called that, um, weird first off and why, like, what does that do? Um, and then Obviously, Patrick Mahomes, uh, presser after a game going, you, you just can't, you just can't call that. Um, just no one and Andy Reid basically said the same thing. They took away one of the greatest plays in history. Okay, so down. Um, but notice how no one said it was a bad call because it was the prop, props to ref. We don't give him credit. We, Bash him when it's awful. Gotta give him props when, but really any a blind ref could have called that. Um, but yeah, that's uh that was kind of the t- big biggest takeaway from this game, but big win for the Bills. Uh kinda have been up and down all year, but a big win against the Chiefs, kind of a but kind of a rivalry the past couple years, getting a big one over them. Uh, that's huge. Yeah, you know, definitely agree with everything you just said. I mean, it was so strange because after years of watching Patrick Mahomes play really important football games, ones that, I mean, we all know as NFL fans, if it's an important football game, the refs probably have their hands all over it. Mm -hmm. We've seen the refs make critical calls multiple times in Patrick Mahomes and Chiefs games, and he's never once said anything. Now, of course, he does play for the Chiefs. We've talked about on here how the Chiefs have gotten the benefit of the doubt on a lot of calls. Um, Obviously, absolutely hilarious to say, let him play, coming off of the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. I remember talking about it on this podcast saying, like, I I hate when people say let him play, the penalty, the penalty. And I was on his side then. And to come and say it on on this play is utterly ridiculous, simply put. Um, I love, you know, when Mahomes was talking, he was like, what a great play, and you hate to see that a great play from a Hall of Fame player. Is yeah, crazy. that's what he said. Okay. I understand, like, if that was a pass interference, you know, where when you when you call pass interference, the play has concluded. 
you see the play, and then the ref throws the flag. That was a pre-snap penalty. Uh When the ball was snapped, the flag was out. He was going to call that whether Mahomes was sacked, whether he fumbled, (laughs) whether he threw a pick, or whether that was an awesome play. You're acting like he, he, like, he knew the play was coming and wanted to call it back. Yeah. On the field before Kelsey even thought about lateraling, yeah. lateraling that football. Like what? I, I can't believe that is, that is something that came out of, of, of the, the best quarterback to ever do its mm-hmm. mouth. As you said, there's not a single argument of it was the wrong call. Everyone's saying you can't call that. I've seen some, he did check with the ref. If you watch the video, he, uh, he pointed at the ref but his head was facing the exact opposite way. Smart. Uh, almost like a courtesy, you know, where it, that's what you, you point and check with the ref and make sure, but it almost became muscle memory. So, like, you don't even look. You just point out yeah. to him. And that's what he did. He pointed out and was looking the other way. So, even if the ref wanted to say something, what said, been like went like this with his hand or, like, told him to move back, he wouldn't have seen it. He was looking the other way. Also, he was in a bunch. He was just off the offensive line. Do you think the, the ref's going to be like, hey, no, like, no, they tell them when they're the closest to the sideline. Yeah. If they're out wide, they'll be like, hey, 83, move back a little bit. They don't tell you when you are all the way on the other side of the field in a bunch formation next to the lineman. Yeah. It makes no sense, and it really frustrates me uh, because Andy Reid and, and Patrick Mahomes, one of the best quarterback coach duos to ever do it. Obviously, they're two-time Super Bowl champions. Um, and I, I just cannot believe, I still can't believe that that is, is the way that they handled this situation. Of course, Mahomes has since apologized, um, which obviously he was clearly in the wrong and I, I, he definitely deserves some credit for doing that. But my God, like, I don't, I don't know. Like, you know, I would say, Oh, I lost some respect for, for Mahomes. I, I, I think I might, I, I, I don't know, but I was just really appalled after the way things went down, um, that they would. Make you know, make it all about the refs on a 100% correct call. All all referee, uh, all referee colleagues, all referee people on TV. Roger Goodell, like obviously they're gonna they're gonna back up the refs, but the people on TV they go against the refs all the time. They're like, that's a terrible call. Yeah, they all backed up the call mm-hmm. with without a shred of a doubt. Um, so unbelievable from from Chiefs fans, uh, and and Patrick Mahomes and and um, Andy Reid, but. Yeah, it gets me fired up talking about it just because how fortunate the Chiefs have been with the refs and literally just how last year ended with the whole let him. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's ridiculous. Uh, but moving on. Because the action later that night with the Buffalo Bills and the Eagles battle for supremacy in the NFC East. Eagles were ten and three. The Cowboys were nine and three. Excuse me. The Eagles were ten and two. The Cowboys were nine and three. Cowboys take care of business at home. Beat them by 20, 33-13. The question surrounding the Cowboys is, can they beat a good team? That's that's what's been. It's it's them and the Dolphins. Can they beat good teams? The Dolphins can't beat bad teams. We'll talk about that later. The Cowboys finally got a statement win in a statement fashion. Absolutely kicked the crap out of the Eagles. Uh, it was 24 to 6 at halftime. Uh, Dak Prescott, call me biased, you can. He's playing some of the best uh, football, should be in 
the MVP race. Another great performance by him, 271, two touchdowns, 24 for 39. Uh, but I kind of want to talk about how bad the Eagles play. Jalen Hurts, 18-27, 197 yards, zero touchdowns. DeAndre Swift, one of their biggest playmakers uh, this year, 11 carries, 39 yards, 3.5 yards, zero touchdowns. Jalen Hurts, five rushes, 30 yards, zero touchdowns. A.J. Brown, nine receptions, 94 yards, okay, zero touchdowns. Devontae Smith, five receptions, 73 yards, zero touchdowns. It was awesome to see. I really don't like the Eagles. Um and seeing the Cowboys, their defense uh, really stepped up big in this one. I mean, uh, we talked about, look at the stats. It, it kind of tells the story, to be honest with you, Tanner. Um, but also, got a shout out. It's amazing what happens when you get your playmakers the ball. CeeDee Lamb looked as awesome as ever. Michael Gallup even got in the mix. Tony Pollard uh, had a hell of a game over 100 yards. Um, just looking awesome. Uh there with with the rushing and game involved in that passing game but yeah just an absolute dominant performance um it's it's amazing what this team can do when all uh sides of the ball are clicking together so, a couple things first off you were saying about Dak Prescott being in the MVP race um, he should be the favorite in the MVP race right now. Unbelievable football. Gotta own it. When he said he was throwing less than 10 picks this year, we all laughed. We all made fun of him. He's going to. He's going to throw less than 10 um, because he is playing, as we said, incredible football. Um, a couple things that I also want to highlight. You mentioned getting the ball to C.D. Lamb. Week 6. Uh, week 6 against the Chargers. That's CD went for seven for 117. From week six on, CD has gone for 117, 158, 191, 151 in four straight. Then 33, or excuse me, 38, 53, then 116 and 71. Uh, so in those eight games where he is getting the ball a lot, and mind you, that week six cutoff that I drew, the three weeks before that, he had 49, 36, 53. So not a lot of times. Mm -hmm. In the end, so in that week six, so through the first five weeks, the Cowboys were three and two. They were three and two, and they were coming off of an absolute shellacking. They started getting CD the ball. And they started three and two. Now they're three. They are seven and one when they started getting CD Lamb the football. And their one loss was at Philly by one touchdown. Yeah. It's a simple formula. Mm -hmm. And Dak Prescott obviously looks awesome. This has something to do with it. Um, and Philly. Uh, uh, Philly, as you said, looks terrible. This whole time we're talking about their defense stinks, their secondary is a problem. It absolutely is. Offense. When you read the stats of a lot of their playmakers, the most important one, no touchdowns. None. Zero offensive touchdowns in the game against Dallas. There was a scoop and score uh, by 
by the Eagles defense that was their only touchdown. So they got some stuff to figure out. It's almost like losing both your coordinators, the head coaching jobs, really make, makes a toll. Yeah, it does maybe. On the, the two sides of the ball. And still, through all of that, they're obviously 10-3. and three, But lo- lo- losers of two straight, um, big opportunity for a bounce back going to Seattle next week. And anytime you go to, to Seattle, it's, it's going to be a tough Game by game, this episode Monday night because in week 15 you gotta throw out the double Monday night, don't you? Of course. Why? Why would you? Week one, no, no, no. Week 15 or is it 15, 14? I'm saying 15 this whole time. Might be 14. Okay. Every time I said 15 earlier, it's 14. I think. Um, but. You got to bring it out in week 14, man. That's when people come to see the double Monday night. Neither game disappointed. Talked about the Giants and Packers a little bit earlier. Tommy DeVito winning, going on that game-winning drive to beat the Pack. But somehow, some way, the Tennessee Titans go into Miami, beat the Dolphins 28-27. Yeah, you talk about some way, somehow. I think it'd be a mistake not to highlight the injury that was Tyree Kill. He was out for most of – I'm pretty sure he went down in the first, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, kind of was in and out. Was basically um, non-existent, kind of the second half of the game. Only had four receptions for 61 yards. So that, that definitely affects the game. But you're still the Dolphins. You're still a good team. You still have your quarterback. You still have – Moster and a Cheney, you should win this game, especially when you have Jalen Waddle, who is one of the best two guys in the league, especially when you're playing the Titans. But gotta shout out Will Levis, Mr. Mayo himself, 23 for 38, 327 yards, had a touchdown and a pick, but did not end up costing him. Speaking of getting the ball to your playmakers, DeAndre Hopkins, still that dude, seven receptions, 124 yards, one touchdown. It's amazing what happens when you get to your number one receiver. He looks like his prime self this game. Looked awesome. Will Levis got him the ball and really was a huge factor uh, to why he led the Titans to this victory. Just and, of course, it would be a mistake not to mention the impact of Derrick Henry. You'll look at his yards, um, 17 carries, 34 yards, two touchdowns. It doesn't sound great, but he affected the game as he always does. But huge win uh, from the Titans. Yes, you had the Tyree Kill injury, but this is definitely a cause for concern for the Dolphins. You mentioned them being on your fraud alert. I think it just took another level up. Yeah, I mean, I think they 
they might be taken off fraud alert because they might be given fraud. <laughs> just frauds, yeah. Just frauds. <laughs> um, especially, you know, everything you said, absolutely correct. Actually, when you look at the way in which this happened, um, it was a tie game, Sam. It was 13-all with, like, six minutes left in the game. A muffed punt by Tennessee led to a touchdown by Miami. Then the very next possession, uh, of course, this game in Miami, the crowd's into it. They try a pitch play to Derrick Henry. He drops it. And the Titans recover. Or, excuse me, the, the Dolphins recover. And they go and score a touchdown. Yeah. So just like that, it's a 14-point game with, like, four minutes left. And the Titans somehow win. Mm-hmm. They march down the field. Levis, man, he's going to decide. Shout out to Stephen Scott. Leads him that right down the field. Scores a touchdown. And Mike Vrabel going with the analytics play. I'm a big proponent of this. Down 14, go for two. Go for two when you're down exactly. 14. Score a touchdown. Packers won a game over the Saints in week two from doing this. Matt LaFleur did it. And now Mike Vrabel does it. And, and they go for two. And they get it. Now only down six. Give the ball back to the Dolphins. They go three and out. Plenty of time. Still like north of two minutes. For, for the Titans, they get the ball back. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they go right down the field and score a touchdown as well. So, absolute <laughs> Not only are you losing to a team worse than you, but choking a 14-point lead in like four, six, yeah. four minutes, six minutes, whatever it was. Um, not yeah. a good look. Yeah. It's fa- yeah. Yes, Tyreek Hill was banged up. But in that situation, you got you to roll with him. Yeah. He is on the sideline. He was on the field. Just did yeah. not look his way. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, Tyreek Hill was out, and I know you're saying it should not be the difference between them losing this game. They were up 14 with four minutes left with Tyreek Hill out. Yeah. Let's close the game and do it. Um, yep. So definitely big time disappointing if you are a Dolphins fan. And with the Bills win over the Chiefs we talked about earlier, that door left. Dolphins, the rest of their schedule, um, they have the Jets next week, so win. But then hey, got, now. <laughs> hey, Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson. Crunch time. But they got to play the Cowboys, the Ravens, and the Bills in three of their last four games. Yeah, that's not great. It's so, not great slate. Not great. Bills, if they win out, chance is still there. Let's see their schedule really quick. Bills, have they gotten over their gauntlets? They have their Cowboys this week. This week again. Um, Then Chargers, Herbert, uh, Patriots. Patriots. And then they close out the Dolphins. So. It's not a bad slate. I would give the schedule advantage. I don't know, man. Mac Jones and on the the way out, Belichick? Come on now. So, things can get really interesting. weekend this upcoming weekend we got games on saturday now so be aware don't be uh don't be caught off guard we got games on saturday so our, your saturday football picks will still be met of course it will be by nfl and college which is a little sad but we will make do with nah, it's big sad it's big it's sad. sad it's not sad it's big sad <laughs> <laughs> 
And ripping off his shirt. And Theo Vaughn. And and Lee Corso. Let's do it. Yeah, absolutely, Tanner. Uh, it was kind of a rough week. I'm not going to lie to you, Tanner. A uh, rough week. We both got Army. Uh, Colts, Bengals, you got the Bengals. Uh, Broncos, Chargers, unfortunately, Justin Herbert went down, gave the Broncos a win. Browns, uh, we both got that one. We both were on the Chiefs, so maybe we needed that call. Um, you went with the Eagles. I went with the Cowboys. Our weekly total, I had four. You had three. That is brutal. Br- probably one of our worst weeks, if I'm not. Yeah, this is true. Yep, and our season total, it's looking more and more as the season wind down that I will be doing punishment. We haven't confirmed what we're doing quite yet, uh, but you are up 77 to 68. So close the gap a little bit, but it's not looking good for me coming down the stretch. Well, yep. Saturday, uh, the Nick Mullins led Vikings go to Cincinnati to take on the Jake Browning led Bengals. This is what everyone has. Of course. Bengals favored by three. Who wins? I, I like the Bengals here. Um, I just like, trust Jake Browning more, and uh, he has a little more weapons. Uh, in his arsenal. So give me the Bengals with Jake Browning at the hill. Yeah, I mean, you look at this game, two backup quarterbacks. Um, one team's coming off of a 3 nothing win, which their offense looked anemic. One's coming off of a 34-14 to win over the, over the Colts. And then before that, beating the Jaguars on the road. Um, you take away the quarterbacks, you look at the quality of team. The Bengals are a much better team than the Minnesota Vikings all across the board. So I'm going to go with the Bengals. Uh, they're better, and their quarterback is better, and I think they will win comfortably. I would also take Bengals minus three. Uh, maybe we get Mullins mania for next Dude, couple of weeks. That would be awesome. I'd love to eat crow. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah, I'm 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 taking the Bengals minus three responsibly, of course. But I'm taking the Bengals minus three. Um, yeah, I think the Bengals win easily. No faith from me, but and no faith from Sam either. So let's go. Uh, but moving on. We've got an AFC matchup. We didn't. I didn't personally think that this would have any playoff uh, implications, but sure enough, it does. They have. We have the really big time struggling Steelers losing to the Patriots this past week on Thursday night. They go to Indy to take on the Colts, fresh off of a kind of a shellacking at the hands of the Bengals. Another game, two backup quarterbacks. Let's Nick go. Trubisky versus Gardner Minshew. Who wins this one? Yeah, I'm going, again, going with the guy I trust more. Give me Gardner Minshew, Minshew Mania. The Steelers have looked awful with Kenny Pickett and without, uh, and then their leader on the defense, TJ Watt. uh, He just got out of concussion protocol like an hour ago. 
of recording. So definitely uh concern there. But get, give me Gardner Minshew. I really, really don't trust Mitch Trubisky. I hate it when we agree, but I, I there's no chance I'm taking Mitch Trubisky and the Steelers right after losing to the Patriots. Uh, you talk about, you know, J.J. Watt getting out of um, – well, not JJ, TJ Watt getting out of concussion you. protocol. Um, <laughs> this is a Steelers defense that gave up what? How many points was it? To I mean, the, the over under in that game was like twenty eight, and the over cashed in like the second quarter mm-hmm. because of how poorly that Steelers uh, defense played, especially when playing against Bailey Zappi and the Patriots offense. Um, yeah, I'm not trusting the Steelers. Give me the Colts. Minshew Mania will be back uh, at home course will the roof be open who knows only jim ursay knows uh but yeah give, give me the colts in this one but uh next we'll be moving on so we got a backup quarterback in the in the vikings Bengals. we got another backup quarterback matchup in steelers colts how about a rookie quarterback matchup cj stroud and the texans go to nashville take on um uh, will levis and the titans we got in this one, Sam. Yes. I mean, we all saw uh what CJ Stroud happened to CJ Stroud last week, went out with a concussion. I don't believe he's been released from concussion protocol. I could be wrong in that. Um, but with that being said, I really liked what I saw from Will Levis and the Titans against the Dolphins. And so that's why I'm going with I'm going with my heart on this one. Give me the Titans. Yeah, uh, this is tough, right? Obviously, the injury to CJ Stroud, a big time concern. Uh, but I'm, you know what? CJ Stroud's going to play in this game. CJ Stroud's going to play in this game, and it is going to be the most Titans loss ever, coming off of that huge big time win over the Dolphins. Um, you know things are. Things are looking up. Maybe it sparked your season. Not when the Texans come to town. I know they're missing some wide receivers as well. It'll be a depleted Texans team. Uh, but again, right now, I'm just not trusting the Titans. And I got the Texans coming into town and getting a big-time win. D'Amico Ryans versus um, Mike Vrabel, one of the better head coaching matchups in the NFL right now. But give me D'Amico Ryans, man. Give me the Texans to beat the Titans on the road. Uh, and and really strengthen that that playoff push for for the Texans. Um, our next game, America's game of the week, I believe, uh, the Bills at home welcome the Cowboys into town. Bills two point favorite Sam. We got in this one. Yeah, talk about the game of hangovers. Cowboys obviously coming off that big win over the Eagles. The Bills coming off that big win over the Chiefs. I think we're going to get what we've seen from Josh Allen all year. I think he's going to make plays he shouldn't. Cowboys are going to capitalize on those turnovers. Give me the Cowboys in a close one in Buffalo. I'm so excited for this game. Yeah. Also, just personally, um, I've been struggling with this decision all year long because my two fantasy quarterbacks are Dak Prescott and Josh Allen. Now, obviously, preseason, um, the, Josh Allen will be the clear start. Uh, however, throughout the course of the season, obviously, trending in different directions. Um, 
So I still don't know who I'm going to start uh, quarterback-wise. Um, but you know what? I'm going to go with the home team here. Give me the Bills. I think that win over the Chiefs will spark something in them, and re- they realize, hey, not only can we still make the playoffs, you can still win your division if things go right. If you win out, uh, you can you can uh, you can win that division. I think that's that's the conversation going on inside the Bills locker room. Um, not some other stuff uh, talked about in the Bills locker room. If you know, you know. But yeah, give me the Bills in this game at home. Um, outside in the cold, obviously the Cowboys, an indoor team. I think maybe the elements, the crowd, that maybe will give slow down the uh, – be one of the reasons why this, this Cowboys offense is slow down a little bit. So give me the Bills at home there. Um, and then I believe this is the uh, the Sunday night game. The Ravens uh, go to Jacksonville uh, with Trevor Lawrence. We know he played this past week, so it looks like he will be good to go with that ankle injury. Uh, the Ravens are three-and-a-half-point favorites coming off of that walk-off kick return win over the Rams. Who do you have in this one? I think last week for the Ravens with a walk-off punt return was kind of a wake-up call that they needed. Um, Trevor Lawrence didn't look 100% last week. I still don't think – I think that high ankle sprain or ankle sprain, whatever you want to call it, was is a little more serious than we thought. I like the Ravens here. Uh, give me the Ravens heading into Jacksonville coming out with a win. Yeah, you know – also lost in all of this. Yes, they had the that game against um, Cincinnati. Had the Trevor Lawrence injury, but also the Christian Kirk injury. Right, the very first play of the game, twenty six yard reception goes down with a groin injury. He hasn't come back, and that offense looks completely different. Uh, so I'm also going to go with the Ravens here. Um, I think they get a big road win for all the reasons that you said. Um, they're just simply put, the Jags aren't healthy, and they're not playing great football right now. Uh, but to wrap it up, I believe this is the Monday night game. The Eagles, fresh off of losing two straight, have to go to Seattle. Face the, the Seahawks and the 12th man who's winning this game. Yeah, this one is huge for the Eagles coming into this week. Uh, lost the uh, one seed uh, last week with the loss to the Cowboys. Um, haven't looked great the past couple weeks. Yeah. Seattle is a tough, what well, probably one of the toughest games uh, to go environments to go into. You mentioned the twelfth man earlier. I still think this is a perfect opportunity for the Eagles to get right. I think they do it here in Seattle. Give me the Eagles. Not so fast, my friend. I think it's three straight for the for the Eagles here. Um, look. Things haven't gone great for the Seahawks recently. Um, and, however, no matter who's playing quarterback, whether it's Drew Locke or whether it is um, – whether it's Geno Smith, prime time at home, it is really difficult to beat these Seahawks. And I'm not sure the Eagles are in a spot right now to do that. They're not scoring offensive touchdowns in big games. Their defense is getting shredded week after week after week. Um, I mean, this is a Seahawks team that played the Cowboys team that just absolutely shredded the Eagles. In Dallas, they went toe-to-toe with the Cowboys. Of course, the Cowboys ended up winning that game. Lost by six. Of course, the NFL, no emotional victories, yada, yada, yada. 
or no, yeah, no emotional victories here, but they look pretty good in that game, man. And I think, I think that's a good measuring stick game against the Cowboys in Dallas. Give me the Seahawks at home. That 12th man going to be loud. Um, upset city and the Eagles lose three straight. That's going to wrap up our pick them segment. We only got a few more weeks of these, man. It kind of stinks. What four weeks left in the NFL season. So, uh, We'll make them count last four weeks. But to wrap up the episode, we have a few questions. Uh, first question from Carol Godsey, of course, the maker and designer of our merch. Sam is wearing the sweatshirt. I've got the hat on. Um, you can find the links to all that stuff, all of our social media, YouTube, description below. Uh, so go check it out. And huge shout out to Carol for helping us with that. Uh, but she wants to know, your favorite sports video video game now and growing up yeah this one is a fun question i am a huge sports video game player um funny story that uh it really comes down to three games now i think the big ones being mlb the show madden and nba 2k for me by far nba 2k 24 man man was up there but it's a bunch of BS. I actually deleted the game last week because it made me so mad. But so 2K24, by far my favorite game right now. But growing up, it comes down to two for me. One being the first NCAA football uh, I ever played 07 with Reggie or 05, excuse me. No, 07, 07, 07, 07 with Reggie Bush on the cover. Uh, kind of started my fandom of sports video games. Um, and then I hope they bring this back as well. We got news that NCAA football is coming back this summer, but I hope this shortly follows. And that is March Madness 2010. By far the best basketball game ever made. Um, they had CBS, they had ESPN, the commentators associated with it. Obviously, March Madness. Uh, Blake Griffin was on the cover. One of my favorite sports video games of all time. Uh, but those two are definitely my go-tos when I was growing up as a kid. You suck so bad. Because I had two group games I played nice. religiously growing up. It was either tug of war on NCAA football 07 or NCAA basketball 2010. Uh, We'll start off right now. My favorite video game franchise is MLB the show. Um, I think it's just the one that I've grown to like the most as I get older. I played it pretty religiously from like 18 through 22. Um, I've kind of stopped a little bit recently, but um, MLB the show is my favorite right now. Uh, But those two growing up, Absolutely. I used to, I mean, I'd say between those two, I'd give the edge to NCAA basketball 10. I mean, it was so innovative. Like when you're loading the game and you can just go out and shoot hoops. Yeah. Like I thought that was so awesome. I would sometimes forget I was playing a game and I would just be shooting hoops for like 15 minutes and be like, Oh crap, press X to play game. Okay. Uh I forgot. I forgot to actually play the game. Yeah. Um, And then I would all the time, I would just pick random teams and I'd start a game, uh, shoot around. Then I'd start it and I'd just see what scoreboard it is and then quit. 
just because <laughs> I love seeing the all. And it then the and then when when you, the game would load, and then you just, you just hear, boom boom, boom boom, with the CBS stuff. Oh my gosh, if, uh, bring me back there. It was absolutely awesome. Uh, so NCAA basketball ten for me is my favorite. Um, just to throw out another one that hasn't been talked about uh, earlier. Um, I've also obviously was a big baseball video game fan. Um, the Bigs, I think, was my favorite uh, favorite baseball game growing up. So that's to throw one out. Uh, that's a little different, but there's there's a special place in my heart for NCAA basketball 2010. That is for certain. Yeah. Um, absolutely everything. Gus Johnson is is the announcer for CBS in that game. So yeah. shout out. Shout out, Gussie boy. Um, but the next question comes from Blake Baumgart. Excuse me, Blake Baumgartner. He wants to know, is Jordan Love on the rise to becoming the next great Packers quarterback, or is he just an average NFL quarterback? Yeah, this is an interesting one. I'm excited to hear what you say. But I think he's somewhere in the middle. Uh, right now, I think he is not an average quarterback. I think he is a good quarterback. Uh, led them to a uh, to a close one. Has been consistently good all season, um, even without his biggest playmakers on the offense end. But to say he's the next great Packers quarterback, I think it's too early to tell. Um, I mean, you're putting him up with. Obviously, first two that come to my mind is Favre and uh, Rodgers. I don't think he's there yet, um, but I think he's better than an average NFL quarterback. Yeah, I mean, we've seen flashes, right? And I, I just don't think they – right now, again, like you said, I just don't think they're consistent enough to crown him. The next great quarterback, as you said. Um, but, yeah, I'm definitely afraid he's going to be pretty good. Yeah, I'm definitely afraid he's going to be pretty good. He has shown uh, some pretty impressive stuff. And, of course, the fact that he, he's got a little mobility to him. He can use his legs. And, I mean, year after year. Also, keep in mind he's throwing to some pretty bad wide receivers. Granted, over Aaron Rodgers' tenure, he pretty much threw to bad wide receivers. Facts. Um, especially in the latter half of his career. Um, other than Devontae Adams, of course. But, when, I mean, if you took him out of the game, wide receiver courts were terrible. But... Green Bay, maybe if they can get some wide receivers uh, for Jordan Love, maybe things things a little different. Things turn out a little different. He can jump into that great tier. Um, I'm trying to think of like a comp of the quality of career. I'm thinking based on what I've seen. Um, the best I'm coming up with right now is I think maybe like one step down from like Philip Rivers. You know, like yeah. But Philip's weird, obviously, because he never won the Super Bowl. Um, I don't know. Jordan Love might win a Super Bowl. I mean, yeah. But it's also the Packers who have only won two with like great, great quarterbacks. So yeah, maybe if he's not great, great, will he win? I don't know. Um, there's a lot of speculation here, a lot of tough calls. Um, but I, I think I'm gonna agree. Just like somewhere in the middle, I think he's gonna be better than average. I think he's gonna be a. He's certainly. I think we've seen enough to crown him a franchise quarterback. Yeah. Um, I think that's a great way to put it. Great quarterback. I don't know, but certainly better than average. Um, so. And then lastly, from my mom, Carrie Dislin, she wants to know, you score a touchdown, Sam. What's your celebration? You doing it alone? You bringing the team in? You getting some choreography? Or is it going to be improvised? What are you doing once you get in the end zone? You know, when I, when I first read this question, I was like, 
Like just thinking about it. Even when I we're throwing the ball outside, I do this celebration. So this is gonna be my answer. It's gonna be the Icky Woods <laughs> shuffle. Obviously, he's been in the he was in the league a long time ago, way before I started watching, but obviously got revived with the get some cold cuts, get some cold cuts uh commercial. So I'm I'm gonna have to go with the icky shuffle, man. It is absolutely electric, super simple. I'd love to get some team teammates in on it, but definitely uh the icky shuffle. Yeah, that's great. Um when I first saw this as well, I thought of you know, what would I do if it were solo? And the first thing that came to mind is uh, a shout out to my boy, Randy Moss, when he shot the moon to the Packers, uh, to the Packers crowd. Um, you know, I think that one might come with a penalty, uh, maybe some fines uh, in, in there. So I think maybe I would stay away from shooting the moon like Randy Moss did. And great reaction by Joe Buck, by the way. What a yeah. disgusting act by Randy Moss. Okay, guy. But I think for me, my favorite ones are always the ones where the teams are involved. Yeah. Got to be the court. It's funny you use the word uh, choreographed in the question because the very first thing that comes to my mind and my favorite celebrations are the Seahawks when they did the boy band, like dance, yeah. they all in sync and choreographed. Um, in sync, pun intended. Uh, but that's something I would do. I would get I would get the whole group involved specifically though, because like you have the you know you have the duck duck goose that was really good. Mm-hmm. You have um, the limbo. I remember the Vikings did the limbo one year. Uh, the Vikings did a keg stand actually last week. Yeah, I was um, wondering who that was. Yep, it was the Vikings. Yep, they did a keg stand that last week. That was good. <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, and then of course you got the Seahawks with their mm-hmm. the choreographed dance. I, I always love when the Cowboys guy. Jumps just in jumps there. in the uh salvation yeah, army the salvation army yep. always got always love that i've seen some turkey dinners yeah uh ocho cinco of course was the original king do it like putting the ball oh yeah pylon. was he the one that like pulled out a phone to oh, celebrate was, it was actually joe horn with the saints <laughs> yeah so he like pulled out a phone out of his sock or something and like oh, yeah no. who was that no, no, no. i think joe horn actually pulled out of a sharpie and signed the ball yeah Maybe that's what he did what did Joe Horn do? It was one of the two. I can't remember which one it was. Joe Horn celebration. Okay, no, his was the phone. Okay. Joe Horn yep, was Joe the Horn. phone. Ocho Cinco might have been the sign the I ball. Th- Ocho Cinco, that man celebrated like no other. Yeah, he 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 certainly did. But I th- I think for me, man, it, it's it's gonna be inspired by that Seahawks celebration. Something boy bandy choreographed where we all dance and, and get it down to the T, um, which was, which was pretty cool. So, so that, that's what I'm going with uh, for my silly, silly, of course, Sam, get some cold cuts, get some cold cuts. <laughs> it's electric. It's electric. Really, really, fun, really funny stuff. Thanks for that. That's question. good. That's Great a good one. Day. Good one. Absolutely. So one, two, 13, Uh, uh, crunch time congrats you have made it to the end of the episode you gotta check out the youtube so you can see sam (laughs) doing the shuffle live (laughs) great stuff always check out the youtube definitely my preferred way to consume podcasts but uh, you can follow the podcast on x instagram tiktok at crunch time underscore pod 
hit follow the podcast on YouTube. Subscribe to us there. Crunch time with the N three two six news. Clock has run out on this episode. We'll see you in the next one on the next one. See you.